This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. This is Less Than Live with Cater Die, a bi-weekly podcast about comics from all angles. I'm going to talk to you about what I'm reading and doing in the industry, as well as interviewing some of my friends and favorite creators. So come along with me on this journey into geek culture. On today's show, who even cares about comics? We talk to my brother, my brother, and me's middlest brother, Travis McElroy, king of podcasts and all of our hearts. Okay, we talk about comics a little bit, but mostly D&D and feelings? Whatever, let's do it. Well, hey, everybody. So today's episode is a little bit different. Like some of the interviews we've done before, like Scott Snyder's, uh, for instance, um, (laughs) it ran a little long. So I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I wanted to give you um, a little bit of backstory as to why we are talking to our first non-comics guest, other than the fact that he's just super awesome. (laughs) When I moved to Los Angeles about five months ago, um, about a week before I went, my friend Matt Cummings, who's been on here too, uh, was staying at my house for my goodbye party, and we started watching this YouTube series called Monster Factory, which I really, really love. And that is Griffin and Justin McElroy, um, two of the brothers of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, one of the most successful podcasts in the universe, and it's amazing. We'll get to that. (laughs) They do this YouTube series where they basically go into video games and make the most monstrous and horrifying creatures uh, out of the character creation screens possible, and it's really, really funny. So Matt and I sat around drinking beers and watching this for hours, and I was just like, oh man, this is amazing. Who are these guys? And then Matt looks at me like I'm crazy because I had never heard of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, the podcast that everyone knows. And uh, he turned me on from there to The Adventure Zone, which is another podcast that those brothers do um, where they play D&D with their dad, Clint McElroy. And it is amazing. Um, They have a really detailed... um, deep and interesting mythos and and uh, griffin who's the dm spends a, like a considerable amount of time it seems making this incredible world that they all play in and i had never played D before uh, i never really felt like i could or that it was like a welcoming thing to me and then you know from that show um i got into the idea and now i, I play D, which is really cool and From there, I finally, after I burned through all the episodes of The Adventure Zone, started listening to My Brother, My Brother, and Me. And that podcast has like 300 episodes. So it was kind of daunting because The Adventure Zone was only in like uh, episode 20-something when I started. So I got into that. And I'm still not through all of them. But uh, I I listened to like the 20 most recent ones. And I went into the back catalog. I'm sort of skipping around. um, And it's amazing. It's an advice show for the modern era where the three brothers, Travis, Griffin, and Justin, give advice and also answer Yahoo Answers questions. (laughs) It feels weird to describe it because I feel like everybody knows about it. But if you're listening to this and you're a comics person who's not really a podcast person, you might not have heard of it. Let me tell you, it's friggin' amazing. It's super funny. They're really positive. I think that's the thing I like about it so much is that it's such like a joyous, hilarious experience, but it's not mean. It's not cruel. Um, it's not I- ironic or sarcastic. It's just fun and kind of, I don't know, it, it makes me feel really good. So I listened to that right after I moved to LA and um, it really became like this soundtrack to the move. And it's a huge move. I mean, I moved thousands of miles or kilometers, either way you spin it, to a new location where I didn't know a lot of people. And so as I started walking around and exploring the city, and I was listening to the brothers all the time, and just, you know, it just made me feel less isolated and less crazy. And um, 
I thought about this a lot too, because there's this artist, Miranda Harmon, who I really, really like. And I found, because she did this um, mini comic called Harmontown, where she talks about how when she was going through a really rough patch, she started listening to Harmontown, the podcast, because she and Dan Harmon shared the same last name. I think that's like how she found it and how that became this really important thing in her life. And I remember reading that, you know, right as I was starting to listen to My Brother, My Brother and Me and thinking like, oh, man, I get it. Like, I totally get it. Um, I'm having kind of the same experience. I don't want to overblow it. You know, it's, I'm, I'm not a crazy person, but it was, it's been really nice. It's been nice to have this constant that when I feel sort of stressed out or like I'm a fish out of water, which can happen in a city like Los Angeles, um, there's this thing that I can keep coming back to. And so that's how I got into it. And comics have done that for me a lot in different parts of my life. But, you know, right now it's this cool podcast and this branch of podcasts because the brothers do so many things, you know, Griffin and Justin do Monster Factory and they have so many different podcasts in the family, like Sawbones and Bunker Buddies. And a lot of it's on the Max Fun Network. Some of it's in different places, but um, you can find it all at McElroy, sorry, McElroyShows.com. Hard to say sometimes. Um, and yeah, you know, if, if you're a person who thinks that could be nice for you in your life, you should check it out. Um, we do talk about comics in this episode and, uh, but yeah, a lot of other things too. Um, to briefly do my, what should you be reading? Everything, obviously. I feel like, uh, it's a bit of a disservice because I'm not really going to talk about Rebirth or Civil War because it's not really my jam, even though Civil War sort of affects my own book, but I can't really talk about that yet. Um, <laughs> the Wicked and the Divine is still going. It's amazing. Paper Girls is back for its second arc, so you need to get into that. Goldie Vance, still killing it. Adorable and perfect. And everything else is the standards. You know to read Squirrel Girl. You know to read Howard the Duck. You know all that stuff. Um, but yeah, let's just get to the interview because I think this is a really special one and a really fun one. And Travis and I had an amazing time. He was super cool to let me come and record in his space and uh, be amazing to me and to the show. And yeah, I hope you like it. Kate's gonna interview you. Kate's gonna interview you now. She's gonna ask questions. Kate's gonna interview you. Kate's gonna interview you now. This is the interview section. So hey, uh, today we're here with uh, podcast legend and host of many, many shows on the Max Fun Network and elsewhere, uh, Travis McElroy. Hello. Hey, how's it going? It's good. I love the word legend. Yeah. Every time I hear it, my, it will, I was like, oh God, I was going to say myself described as a legend. Oh no, <laughs> what a bad way to start an interview. Anytime I hear the word legend to describe like he was a basketball legend or he was mm-hmm. like a boxing legend. I was think I just picture like Bigfoot playing basketball, like Bigfoot boxing. And it's really funny. To no, me. it tells its own story. Yeah. Just <laughs> Bigfoot podcasting like ate another squirrel today. And it's really funny to me. <laughs> um, so this is going to be one of the first times that because uh, normally we talk to a comics person about nothing to do with comics. But since you are a podcast person, mm-hmm. I guess we can sort of talk about everything, anything. Yeah. You do and a million things. If you do want to talk about anything about comics, yeah. uh, I could do a little bit. Yeah. So that's what I figured. Um, so I know that your dad is a big comics person. Oh, and big old dork. Big yep. old dork. Huge dork from way back. <laughs> and my favorite thing is that he just started doing a YouTube a YouTube comics did review he? show. I didn't even know that. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did. And it's like really sweet. And I he's, bet it is. He's very kind. He's a, he's, uh, it's the kind of thing, uh, that's because I think he's a really good reviewer mm-hmm. just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot about reviewing stuff from him because I've had a big complaint lately about people who mistake reviewing 
with criticizing mm-hmm. and people who seem to review looking for something like that they and I think I don't think it's malicious. I think that too many people these days think that their job is to find something wrong. Yeah. Because like they assume that their readers or listeners or viewers or whatever want to know the bad thing about a thing. Mm-hmm. And so like I've seen people be like, I loved everything about it, 99%. But let me tell you, the one thing I didn't like for the next <laughs> eight paragraphs, and it's mm-hmm. like, wait, hold on. If it was 99%, man, just talk about that. Like, one yeah. bad thing doesn't define... Mm. So my dad is a very good reviewer. That's- yeah, when we started this podcast, it was um, partially because, like, uh, you know, the guys who recorded wanted to try. We wanted to just try doing a podcast. I'm really into comics. Everything I do is comics. Yeah. And the thing that I found when I was looking for comics podcast shows is that is that... You know, people are really negative and like there are so many, you know, I'm on Twitter all the time. So everything is negative. (laughs) And that's just the Internet. I've been battling that for Mm -hmm. like the last six years since I joined. It never it never stops. Um, But the thing we really wanted to do is like just talk about stuff that we like, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that's pretty much what the show is. I'm never going to get on and be like, I hate this book. It sucks. Which also crazy, man. You can't do. I mean, I can't do it now because I like work in the industry. (laughs) I can't be like, I hate this book. It's this weird thing that I see on a lot of different platforms. Not just like podcast, but like YouTube, podcasts, I mean, even TV, mm-hmm. where even old media, like newspapers, where people think that to get noticed, people want like anger and frustration and vitriol and they want people to say bad stuff about the thing mm-hmm. because, and, and I don't know that they're in this. I think it's way more interesting to hear somebody rant and like, complain than it is to hear someone go i don't know i liked it like i get that that's not as fun and sexy but like i feel like what it's led to is this sentence i loved everything about it well here's the one thing i didn't like and then that (laughs) slowly evolves over time to be the only thing that person talks about until five years later like well now i hate it because i've only talked about that one bad thing like that's happened to me on so many movies that i watch and then it's like all I talk about is that one. Well, but this one scene. But other than that, I'm pretty soon. And then like, you focus on yeah, it. Yeah, and then and it's now like I the can't enjoy thing. it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So that was what we tried to do, and that's like a thing that I look for all the time um, because I think a lot of the people who listen to the podcast are people who are comics fans or work in comics, so they're on comics internet and they know how like angry and like mean and 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 down it can be. So mm-hmm. it, you know, we tried to make it a really like positive and goofy thing and just yeah. sort of talk about the stuff that's really good and fun. So when you listen to it, you don't have to be like, oh no, what are they going to hate? Yeah. Um, which has been like a fun experience. It's actually the uh, it's a podcast on Max Fun called uh, the Flop House. Yeah, which is a bad movie podcast, and by which I mean a podcast about bad movies, not a bad movie <laughs> podcast. And what I love about it is like, so they just did an episode on I think it's called Gods of Egypt, whatever oh, the weird yeah. new movie is. Yeah, and throughout it, they're like talking about all the bad stuff, and then at the end. Spoiler, like they're kind of in reviews, like, and yeah, it wasn't like those were the bad things, but like I didn't hate it. <laughs> and like that kind of mentality is very rare in yeah. any kind of like review thing where someone's like, yeah, there was stuff wrong with it, but like it, I, it for two hours I didn't fall asleep. So, like, so it's not that bad. That's how I feel. I feel like there are so many movies that are like okay movies, like a solid C, plus, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, these aren't the greatest movies, but like. Did you expect the greatest movie? Like, yeah. Did you go into that? <laughs> you shouldn't have. I really don't mind a C plus experience in a movie. Right? Like, if nothing outright is like really upsetting or offensive, 
then like that's great. I'm I just watched I Spectre on a plane. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, if you're ever going to watch movies, do it on a plane. Yeah. They're so much better. I love oh plane movies. Every single, I mean, somebody said that it actually is like a scientific thing because of the altitude. Like yeah. you are more likely to cry. It's true. Because I, I watched. I think I cried at Burt Wonderstone. That <laughs> might not be true, but that might be true. I mean, because I watched Brave, which will make me cry anyway. Uh-huh. But I watched it on a plane and it was just like this solid, just a solid stream of tears oh, yeah. the entire time. Start, start I once, oh my god! I once made the mistake of watching the Iron Giant on a plane. Oh, that's a mistake, no, Kate. It was the worst. Kate, it that's Bush League. It was so. I cry much. thinking about that no, when I describe that movie to people. I cry. <laughs> I could be in the middle of just the happiest day of my life, and I'm like, anyone's to be Superman <laughs> right away. I went to see a revival of that with my mom really shortly before I moved away, mm-hmm. and because um, she's still back home, and so we went together, and it was so funny because we come from like a small town, but every animator. Every person who worked in comics was there because it's the Iron Giant. It's the Iron Giant. And I remember, like, there was this solid intake of breath when everyone knew the Superman thing was coming. It was Oof. so bad. It was so Oof, bad. It hurts my heart. <laughs> I'm going to get back to talking about Spectre. You're going to make me Okay, do it. So get, I saw get. Spectre on a plane, and I, I have held off seeing I'm a huge James Bond fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe I've seen every movie, if not seen them I all multiple times. I just rewatched Skyfall, which like holds up pretty well. I think That's so, right. too. And I had held off because I knew that Spectre is not a widely well-received James Bond movie. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. And you know what? It's not bad. <laughs> it's I mean, it's C plus, B minus. Mm-hmm. It's not great. But, like, neither is, like, Octopussy or, like, well, I was about to say Diamonds are Forever. Diamonds are Forever. Moonraker. A lot, a lot of the Roger Moore ones. Definitely Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Mm-hmm. Uh, Living Daylights isn't bad. Uh, License to Kill is pretty bad. So, like, <laughs> if you look over the course of, like, the 30 movies, they're not all great. Mm-hmm. And Spectre is definitely by far not the worst. But I think that we, as a culture, have started just raising our expectations higher and higher. Where, like, everybody wants every movie to be, like... The best thing ever. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, I've heard people talk about Civil War. Mm-hmm. Where, like, they're like, I liked it, but was there no substance? Did it change? What did you do? And I was like, you, you, if you start the sentence with, I liked it, that should yeah. be the end. Peter, I liked it. I, I paid $15 to see it. It was an enjoyable experience. I don't regret seeing it. Yeah, I don't think you could walk into Civil War expecting it to be perfect. I mean, like, I loved Civil War. I thought it was really fun. I'm mm. mostly just, like, super soaked for Black Panther, which yeah. I think is going to be amazing. Um, but because, you know, comics internet and that comics world, like, Everybody, everyone has a really intense opinion one way or the other. I think, I think that to that point, I think that what it is is like everybody, everybody has a voice now mm-hmm. in that we didn't before. And it used to be like the only people whose opinions we read about stuff were like in the newspaper or on the radio or on TV. Then the internet rolled around and suddenly everyone got a voice. But it's this power that we haven't been trained to wield. Definitely not. And so that's the thing is like, and I, once again, I I truly believe in humanity and I think that humanity is not inherently mean or bad. I think that it's just like, it's not reined in. It's just like this power, this voice and everybody's shouting because they don't know how to have a conversation because nobody's trained on it. So that there are like critics and reviewers in the world that like know that it's a skill, mm-hmm. know that having an opinion doesn't make you a reviewer. But I think that the internet has, has too many people thinking that like having an opinion makes you a skilled reviewer. So like you see people comment on whether it's like, the Civil War Avengers movie that everyone seems to love but also likes to complain about 
Or it's like the new Ghostbusters trailer where no one's seen the movie, but they can definitely tell you why the movie is bad. I know. And that, okay, that drives me crazy when it comes to trailers because, like, as I know people who literally work in the business of cutting trailers, mm-hmm. and they're just like, a lot of the time they're working with like a fifth of the movie. Yeah. They have what they have. Like, it's not done. These things are getting worked on, like, right up until they're, you know, distributed. And it's crazy. And they're just like, look, we have like, 30 minutes of footage to cut from or or we had to go through like six hours and try and pick these things and you're working on such a tight schedule and like I saw that movie and was like wow that looks really great and really fun and I'm super excited that there's Lady Ghostbusters because I never really connected with that movie as a kid because they're all dudes and I still really liked it but I'm stoked that you know Kate McKinnon and Kristen Wiig are going to be in the Ghostbusters movie (laughs) it's also this weird thing not to keep talking about movie reviews but it's also this (laughs) weird thing where I think Everybody has come under this weird expectation that everything has to be for everybody. Yeah. That like, well, I don't want to see it. Like, cool, man. Then don't. Don't see it. Yeah. There's like 12 other movies opening that day. (laughs) It's going to be all right. No one's making you do it. They didn't take anything from Mm -hmm. you. Like, uh, let me, I love the Dresden Files a lot. Mm -hmm. You know the Dresden books? Um, I know of them. Oh, I'm going to tell you all about them in about 30 seconds. Sounds great. But I love the Dresden Files very much, right? If they made a bad Dresden Files movie, I would be very upset about it. Yeah. Right? But they didn't take anything from me. Yes. I would be upset because I'd be sitting there going, oh, no, this is the impression that they've given people about this thing that I love. Mm-hmm. Right? So what I would be doing is going on and be like, if you like that, read these books. Yeah. If you didn't like it, you should read these books. But, like, the idea of preemptively going... I saw a trailer. I know about 1.5% of the entire movie from it. And it looks terrible. Don't go see it. Yeah. Because maybe that's the thing that onboards someone into the world of stuff I care about. So now I'm going to tell you about the Dresden Files. Okay. Because I'm a huge fan. Okay. It's my favorite book series. I feel so, like some of that has been adapted into comics. I feel like it I've has. seen it. Yeah. We've adapted it in comics. And they even made, I think it was Sci-Fi Network, made a uh, TV show that's not a great adapt. They changed... It's not a bad show, but they yeah. changed so much of it as to be unrecognizable as, except for the core conceit, which is it is a private eye detective who also happens to be a wizard. Okay. So, yeah. like, it's a, it's <laughs> definitely, like, a noir, like, gritty, you know, hard-boiled detective novel, but also he does magic. Yeah. So, like, the magic is, especially in the earlier novels, because there's, like, 17 of them now. In the earlier novels, it's like he does it very sparingly because it's very exhausting and takes a lot of like concentration and power. It's mostly ritual and not like, but he can do some destructive magic pretty quickly. So he's like early level wizard. Exactly. <laughs> and as his power develops and as he's learning over, because it's like 17 novels in 20 years. So the character has aged and grown and like become more powerful as time in a very That's believable awesome. art because you get to see it I over the court. Right. It's so good. I love but that. in the beginning, it's all about the detective stuff. And then as the world kind of builds around him as you read it, they get to go a little, or he gets, you know, it's Jim Butcher, but it gets to go a little bit more into the magic. Mm-hmm. And the detective is still, like, even as he's, like, fully doing, you know, a complete adventure that's just in the magic world, he's still a detective. That's so it's awesome. still a mystery, and there's still something he's figuring out, and magic just happens to be the framework upon which it's built, which is, like, that's the most really cool. brilliant structure for a story ever. I love that. Oh, I really want to check that out. Yeah, and also... It's really fun. And, uh, uh, oh, who's the, oh, I'm going to be, the guy who plays Spike in Buffy. 
Oh, James Marsters. He does the audiobooks. Yeah. And he's oh my god, that's amazing. amazing. Oh, I've gotten so into doing audiobooks um, since starting like working more at my desk. I, I used to just listen to music all the time, mm-hmm. and then I literally just got into like podcasts and audiobooks in general in the last six months, which feels insane but um, there's so much of it <laughs> there's so much oh podcasts are so intimidating um but there are there are so many and audiobooks are like yeah. the best thing so that's that's really awesome i got very lucky well uh, it, it worked out that when i worked at the cincinnati shakespeare company building sets mm-hmm. it was basically just me like 80 percent of the time yeah. uh, building and so i would just put the audiobooks on over like the loudspeaker system oh of God, the theater awesome. yeah or like podcast or i would listen to movies like through the computer in the booth mm-hmm. and so i the dresden files was one that i'd listened to them before so i would put them on because then i could just like work for eight hours listening to the book knowing what was happening because i'd heard it before and i could build but like i ended up listening to so many audiobooks over like one summer that i was like the only person working yeah and i really got a good a good amount of audio reading done i feel well i'm really getting into that now too like when we when i was just about to leave i started listening to um so do you know the comic series lock and key it's amazing. So Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son, he's a writer. Mm-hmm. He wrote like Heart Shaped Box. The Fireman just came okay. out. He's one of my favorite writers and like an incredible human being. And he did this series called Lock and Key, which is about this. Uh, it's very it's got kind of a Lovecraftian inspiration, but it's it's about a family whose father dies and they go back to the home he grew up in. And the house is full of these keys. And every one of the keys either opens a door or opens something inside yourself. And the uh, keys all do different yes. things. It's really, really good. It's like the number one book I push on people the art is beautiful and so there's keys like you turn it in a door and then you'll walk through and you become a ghost or like you use it on yourself and it can like open up your head and what it's so cool (laughs) that's awesome it's so cool so they have um just recently i think actually towards the end of last year they made an audio recording that's like a full cast radio play version of it yeah and i love the full cast ones they're so much too. fun because i had just finished the full cast recording of american gods mm-hmm. which was amazing how'd you because i was about to bring up gaming because like yeah neverwhere i mm-hmm. actually prefer just him reading it to the full cast See, i didn't mind the full cast one although they took a lot out of it like it's really a bridge maybe that's why maybe that's because yeah. i remember that how much i was abridged and i didn't because it's that, only but. six episodes i think right so it's they yeah they took out is the full cast american gods i know that it's quite that, long is that the like, one where he long. reads like where game and still does the like the interstitial yeah. ones yeah, okay the that's the one that i've heard yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. and that one i really liked yeah i thought really the shadow good. in that was shadow like, so good perfect that. and that's, as is the woman who plays his wife yes she's real she's good. so good and that's another thing too like just to go back to it like i when they first announced they were doing a TV series for that, and I'll come back to the lock and key thing, but when they first announced they were doing a TV series, I, I kept that Ghostbusters thing in my mind, and I was like, you know what? If I don't like it, it's okay. The yeah. book is still there. The recording is still there, and I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I never want to be the guy who's just like, well, it ruined my childhood. Um, but the every casting announcement for that is so good. Yeah. Like, Jillian Anderson's going to be in it. Ian McShane. Like, yeah. Ah, Ian so, Machine is who I pictured. When I, I know pictured yeah. when they announced it, I was just like, okay, all right, they yeah. got it, they got it, nailed it. Um, but yeah, no, you should you should read Lock and Key okay. if you're into those kinds of things because it is it's it, really it good. It reminds me, did you ever comics. see the miniseries The Lost Room? No. Um, Peter Krause, I believe, stars in it, and basically what it is is the idea is that spoiler if anyone wants to check it out, but the idea is that there was this motel room in which this horrendous metaphysical thing happened and you don't know what 
but it caused all the items from the room to become ha- have like these little special properties. That sounds really familiar. Yeah, it was really awesome. And yeah. like when you combine some of them, you get different yes. effects. And one okay, of them yeah. is a key. Yeah. And it opens any door onto the room. And then if you close it and yeah. open the door, the room has reset to where it is. No, that sounds so familiar. And it's like just, I've read it or and it's seen a brilliant it. like concept of like everything like there's this like comb in the world there's this like set of glasses in the world there's this that like changes properties of the stuff around them and it's a brilliant idea that i really thought they were going to turn into a tv show and they never that did would be really it. really cool yeah. i like i mean as one of the sort of bbc miniseries type of things because i loved the jonathan strange and mr norrell mm-hmm. adaptation that they did and i could never get through that book it's just too big yeah <laughs> it was too dense but i loved the miniseries they did so i feel like those kinds of things are really um appropriate for the sort of like magical stories yeah so miniseries they're great yeah i'm a big fan i like anytime someone acknowledges like we can't fit all this into two hours and it's like yeah Yeah. cool man thanks i want that and so i'm really hoping they'll do something like that for lock and key because i'm constantly pushing it on people i mean Mm -hmm. not that it needs any help it's like very successful but it's the same kind of thing so there's like but you'd be surprised though yeah because that's the thing is like i love like name of the wind and i like tweeted the other day like there's no one in the world who doesn't know Name of the Wind, right? And immediately, like, 30 people were like, what is that? I don't, I'm like, I don't know what that is. What? You don't know I don't is? know what that is. <laughs> See, this is the thing. I think that there's a thing that happens in the world where people, if you're a big fan of something, yeah. whether it's someone or a movie or a book or something, you assume, like, everyone knows about it. Because yeah. you know it. It's your favorite thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And then you bring it up at a party and it's like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Name of the Wind is uh, by Patrick Rothfuss. And it's uh, this. Uh, it's basically someone's life story. Um, and it's him. Oh, I'm going to do such a bad job selling it. No, but it's, it's fine. It's basically this bard named Quoth, and he has retired, and this guy named the Chronicler comes to find him so he can get his life story because he's lived this, like, epic life where there's still tales told about him throughout the land, and everyone thinks he's dead. No one knows where he is, and he's, like, hiding in this bar, like, changed his name and, like, pretends to be somewhere else, and the whole thing is him going, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right and I'll tell you my story, but you have to write down every word exactly as I say, and it's going to take three days. And so the first book is like the first day, the second book is the second day, and he's still writing the third book. But it's just like this epic tale of one guy's life where like it jumps back and forth between the present day where you're still trying. That's the most beautiful thing is the book is one long kind of mystery as someone's life would be as it unfolds where we know present day Quoth and he's telling us like about 10 year old Quoth and every so often something will click in the story where you're like, oh, I understand this in the present day because he referenced the sword in the first book. And now in the second book, he talks about getting the sword. And now I know that kind of thing. Yeah, right. So hard to do as a writer, too. Like, you have to have that whole thing plotted out. Exactly. And it's it's tough. I mean, it's taken him a long time. He's still working on the third one. He's been working on it for, like, six years or something. Yeah. But, like, my friend Jeremy turned me on to it. And then, like, he and I... Would what like when uh, Wise Man's Fear came out, which was the second one, we like poured through it for hints and for theories, and 
it's it, it's very rare to come across a book like that now in the modern day where people like read it and they're like, here's what I think is going on. Like it has yeah. a very like lost kind of vibe to it. Of, I like, love that kind of thing. Isn't it? Yeah, I love it's when you so just like, great. it was like the first half of the first season of True Detective. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where every single person I knew. And that was such like a unifying thing. Everyone I knew was watching it and everyone I knew was obsessed. Yeah. And like, I can't, I hate Reddit and I'm scared of Reddit because I'm a woman in comics on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was on that and like looking through all like the subreddits for like theories and possibilities and I was like reading the books that were the weird fiction it was based on so I just can I I tell you something weird yeah that exists for a thing I make in the world yeah for the adventure zone yeah 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 every time we put out an adventure zone there's like a reddit discussion like here's what I think is going on with the Mm -hmm. red cloak and Mm -hmm. like I read them I read all the reddit (laughs) posts about it because I'm fascinated what people think some offhanded comment I made as a joke and people means read the way more scale. into it than like you're putting into and it. And sometimes they're right. Like I'm oh, not, if cool. someone's listening, I don't want to dissuade them. Like I've no, written like really a four awesome. to five page backstory for my character, like single spaced, you know, like tight, like <laughs> eight point font. Like I have, I know what happened to him until the start of the first episode. Oh my God. I'm so, going to resist asking a lot of questions. About well, that, so I'm I like, know all of that. <laughs> I'm an avid listener, and um, I'm good friends with Carrie Peach, who I'm only saying by name for the benefit of the listeners. Um, but she does a ton of the fan art for the Adventure Zone, and she's like amazing and one yeah. of the best people. And she is one of those people. Like she has, anytime you talk to her about it, she has so many theories, and she's so invested. And it's like it's really fun. And you know what's beautiful about that? I can't speak for other creators of stuff like that, but mm-hmm. seeing that, I know Griffin does this too. But like seeing it being, it's kind of like a very wonderful rare recursive circle of like we see that and it's kind of like man people are really into this so it kind of spurns us on to take it more seriously so then when we take it more seriously more people develop more theories about it and it's just like fueling this wonderful like spiral circle of like we are getting more into it because listeners are getting more into it and it's like i take it way like people have commented like Magnus is getting really serious. And it's <laughs> it's really because I'm getting more serious because I know people are listening and I know that it's important to them. Yeah. And I know that it matters. And I know that like if I don't take my character development as seriously as they do, it's a huge disservice to them. So like I I'm trying to think while I'm doing it, like if I were lit because I I also it's one of my only shows that I still listen to on a regular basis. One because mm. I love Griffin's music and I love the way that it's he edits so it. It's good. so good. It's gotten like oh my god in the last like ten or fifteen episodes, just like it's really has stepped turned it up. up. I love the music so much, and so I love listening to it. But I also listen to it because like I want to hear the story unfold too. So I take it very seriously, and I get. I get choked up. I'm playing D and I'm doing a comedy D and D podcast with but my brothers and my dad, and I get choked. Up. I cried on one episode. There's cried. so much. Oh, was it? I mean, I oh, know I shouldn't say for anyone who hasn't listened to it, but there it is, was the end of the Crystal Kingdom ugh, arc. Yeah, ugh, that was so hard. That was so hard because I was like so invested by that point, and I read I I so I think I started listening to it when probably I mean yeah I guess about four months ago. So I caught up, and it was that was already over, mm-hmm. and I remember like knowing that was coming because I was that seen, pedals to the metal. Oh, was sorry, that, pedals that, to the metal. Crystal Kingdom was the one we just did. Yes, which okay, so I listened to that sort of in real time, and that was also very intense. But pedals mm-hmm. to the metal, like pedals to the metal, was the first. Metal was one, like really when pedals to the metal hard. ended that was the first time that it kind of really clicked for me that people were taking this as seriously as i take 
the Dresden Files and, you know, Name of the Wind and watching Lost and that kind of thing. Maybe I don't want to say that because I, I'm not bragging. Like I no, say that I like it's true. Like I, even among, you know, my friends and all comics people all listen to it. It's so weird. Like re, like illustrators and comics people, especially at a certain like indie comics kind of level, like everyone is into it. Yeah. And everyone is really invested. And that's how I got into it. And it's so funny how like every time a new episode will come out, all of my friends will be like, what does this mean? And making art and stuff like that. And that's, that's so fun. And I will tell you, I think at this point, Griffin actually does know what all of it means. Like, yeah. I think he has got it, it charted like it. out. Like yeah. he's definitely, got, okay. So he's definitely got a broad arc mm-hmm. and then he'll come up with an arc for each individual episode, I think leading up to it. Yeah. But like before we start, like he has notebook upon notebook upon notebook of like notes and he keeps like a word doc going and he'll like occasionally like tweet out like this is how many words ended up being in the crystal game as he keeps track of all of it but he's i've gone back and listened and listened to like from the beginning and he's planted stuff whether it's on purpose or if he just like registered that went back and listened and did it again but he it's his baby and yeah. he does easily 75 percent of the work and then justin dad and i do the other 25 percent if that maybe we're just phoning it in at 15 sometimes now it's so fun like i i mean yeah when they're so i mean i don't okay for people who don't listen to it you should um it got me playing D D for the yeah, first time in my life nice. which is very cool i'm hoping so because that's one of my goals for doing it and griffin and i talked about this beforehand was wanting to make DD more accessible for people yeah it took me i didn't play it until i was 25 mm-hmm. and i'm huge nerd like from <laughs> way back well me too and yeah. it was always to me like you know i'm a girl i work in comics i work in comics from so many different perspectives and but like DD felt like that one thing that yep. was still not girl friendly i feel like, i feel all. like everybody has some form of whatever the second half of the sentence DD yeah. was always that thing because for me it was DD was always like the nerd rubicon that i wasn't prepared to cross yeah because for me it was like that's too nerdy yeah. for me. And it wasn't until I was working in the Cincinnati Shakespeare Company and my friend Charlie, we were talking about all these table games we played, all these board games, all these card games. And he was like, and you played D&D, right? And I was like, I I mean, I've like played what I think I'd played like once with Griffin at that point. Yeah, I think I played once when I was like 16. Yeah, and Charlie no was like, was doing. you don't play it? And I was like, it just seems so much. It seems like too much. And he was like, okay. And at that point, I think fourth edition had just come out mm-hmm. and he was like we'll sit down we'll do it and from that <laughs> point forward i think i played like a dozen games with him before we started doing the adventure zone and it was like oh because it, i i think it was in this not like the D kills people don't D is of the devil it was more like <laughs> when i think of D, it just didn't ever seem fun to me because yeah. it seems so it much like, like math a lot of work and work yeah just a ton of like charts and graphs and that's what i always and, thought it was and i and think it was that i have never played third edition or that. yeah i think no i think it was much much more intense and way less new user friendly yeah back in the day um, and i think when wizard i think wizards of the coast got it f- like before fourth edition maybe mm-hmm. earlier but with fourth edition to fifth edition they really went like let's just make it user friendly yeah and make it like approachable which is so cool so i started listening to this show and i at first was like i don't know man i don't i don't dnd is like the one it's too far my boyfriend's really into warhammer mm-hmm. which is like even more oh yeah nerdy than dnd like people who are like oh dnd's cool will still be like warhammer yeah 
<laughs> I think so, everybody's got everybody's that line, got whatever thing. that is. Where but, I look at it as like, I love console gaming, but like computer gaming is just, nah, I'm, I'm good. Thank you very much. It's a whole other thing. So I wasn't sure. And then I started listening to it. And yeah, because like you guys are so fun and the story is obviously so planned out. You're not, you know, just going off of the starter kit. And that was really cool and fun for me. So I, you know, started talking to my boyfriend. I was like, hey, maybe we could do this. So now we actually play once a week with two of our friends. Who DMs? He does. Okay. He does. And he started listening to the Adventure Zone because he had never DMed before. And, yeah, it's terrifying. And, and it, yeah, it seems like so much work. When like, we just did, so much work. We did a bonus episode. We do a Max Fun Drive every year where mm-hmm. we like do the pl- uh, Pledge Donor Drive. And for our bonus episode that was donors only, I, I DM'd a completely new universe and completely new campaign. And yeah, I, have, I, made it I haven't from listened scratch. to it yet. I have it. But. It's terrifying. <laughs> it seems so scary. I, I easily did... Uh, 12 to 14 hours of prep mm-hmm. just beforehand. Just I drew out every room. I had like graph paper and charts. I did that because I was like, I want to know if they say I look to the left, I want to know what's on that wall. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That was, that's how I, I like planning stuff. So then when we recorded, that was like two hours of recording. And then I did eight hours of editing. Oh my God. And then I gave it to Griffin and Griffin did another three hours of editing on top of that, adding music and tweaking, just taking out a gap, like a pause here and a breath there just to keep the, the flow right. And so all told for one, what ended up being an hour and a half episode, it was like like 30 hours of editing. And it's like, oh, that was one episode. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, it's a lot of work, especially when you're talking about doing it for audio. I think mm-hmm. that's the other thing. We were very scared going into it because you take it from, especially like for the DM where it's like, I only have to worry about like three or four players judging me if I don't know the answer to a question. Right. But if everyone's listening to it. Exactly. Right. And your mistakes are kind of like frozen in stone in audio <laughs> forever. And people on Reddit can break it down and be and like, um, actually. Amazingly. And I think I, I think that this is a credit to the hard work Griffin pours into it and our beautiful, beautiful, wonderful listeners. Everybody's been super nice. I mean, yeah. to the point where like a one out of, 150 comments will be slightly negative and because everybody else is so glowingly wonderful like that one will really stick with you for a yeah, couple days. I know that feeling real well. <laughs> but mostly the fact that we put out a D&D podcast that everyone's like I thought it was great. No yeah. negative comments is like re- really re- really you all cool with this? No one's going to say anything cuz I know I didn't know the rule when I did that thing wrong and you're not going to okay cool everybody's it's, very nice it's actually been really funny because there's a couple times I've listened to something and you guys have made a comment about the way that a spell works or the way that a, a rule works and I'll be like oh we've we've been doing that wrong oh yeah <laughs> I have to look it up because it's complicated oh man and we like Forever. just we just finished the starter kit so we just yeah. hit our level five and when we start again this week we're starting the curse of Strahd Excellent. which is all like vampires and shit which I'm really excited about because it's super goth um, but it is it's so complicated but the one thing that I really loved like so the podcast got me interested and then so my boyfriend because he's a huge gaming nerd of every variety we have so many board games um he immediately bought the player's handbook the first day i was Mm -hmm. like well i'm kind of maybe vaguely interested in that he came home and had like 20 books yeah (laughs) and dice that's the way to go i love buying books it's my favorite part of the whole thing so many there's so many they just keep showing i'll just sit there and read them like i have all of them sitting next to me here and every so often i'll just get bored and like i want to read the monster manual (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's been really awesome and um so yeah we, we started doing it from that point but uh 
it wasn't until we got the player's handbook and I started looking at it because the last so I worked in a comic and gaming store for a really long time and I had only seen fourth edition Mm -hmm. and I remember because like I don't know I'm kind of turned off by when every elf has her boobs out oh yeah like it just that that adds to the whole feeling of like this isn't for me yeah like it's fine that it's there nobody for who it's thought for. about me when they were designing yeah. this but then the fifth edition books like they're so full of girls yeah. <laughs> and like you can be like a non-binary character yep. now which is like super cool and there's so many more more diversity in the races and like the costumes and everything in the book and i was just like oh man someone like very thoughtfully went through this and was like what are we doing to alienate people and how can we not do that and that is so cool like even just feeling that the company thought about that mm-hmm. and cared about that makes it feel more approachable and i think that translates to the gameplay too yeah. because i i love designing characters for for the day i used to mm-hmm. just do it when i was bored not like not like I was going to play a character. I'd just sit there and be like, I don't know, maybe I'll make a rope. And for 5th edition, it's so much more, it just feels more organic. Yeah. The, like the storytelling, the character creation, so much of it is more about the storytelling. 4th edition was all about battle mechanics. And like, in a, yeah. in a lot of really fun ways. I mean, but it made, like, for example, I do a fighter in the Adventure Zone. And if you had played a fighter... If you had played a fighter <laughs> in fourth edition, you started to feel like a wizard. Yeah. Because, like, I could basically cast battle spells. <laughs> and it was, like, a thing that would, like, had area of effect. Oh, like, wow. And, like, yeah. It was basically, like, you had magic powers as a fighter, right? That's really cool. And what they did in fifth edition is they basically said, like, well, you're just really good at fighting. Yeah. Everyone's very specialized. Yeah. Because, like, I'm a halfling rogue. When we're playing, and I'm a little thief, it's the most fun. Yeah, halfling rogue is always. It's I've, so. Fun. I played a halfling rogue that I designed for fourth edition, who was uh, raised by kobolds, <laughs> and he was feral, and that was super fun. One of our favorite things is in the like second, uh, the second time we ever played it, um, we came across. We were in uh, not Wave Echo Cave, but like the thing before it, right be- before you even get into Fandolin, like the mm-hmm. very beginning, and you you face off against these three wolves, mm-hmm. and I remember I was like, "Can we tame them?" Because I wanted wolves, and uh, Mark on our team who plays like a the warrior type he's the tank uh has like really strong animal handling and i was like you roll you roll and got a 20 so now we have wolves nice <laughs> and like we let me have a them. dog i know there's no dogs on the moon i want a dog so bad in the game <laughs> i was listening to that like three hours ago so um because i was like i better catch up before i'm here um in case i get spoiled right thank you um but yeah it was really cool so we have wolves now we've acquired a goblin we have this sort of like traveling wolverine situation we have nice. a lot of like a whole gang of people with us all of the time and it's pretty awesome and i feel like that's the thing that people don't talk about enough in regards to D is how flexible it really is especially mm-hmm. now especially and i as i said i can only speak for fourth and fifth edition but how it's it would be like, what kind of game do you want to play? Yeah. Do you, you want to play? Anything. Yeah. You could play a game where the whole thing is about you running for like mayor of a fantasy town. Yeah. And like you never fight a single, maybe you fight like a mugger in the streets or like you have, like you do a back alley brawl to like encourage people. Like that would be a super fun campaign. You never got to go into a dungeon. You never have to like fight a yeah. giant evil dragon. Like you can just you can do whatever you want. rebuild I, like, your town if you want to. So much of that is what got me into it because, like, it's improv, yeah. basically. Yeah, it's just it math is. improv. And I was I was on an improv team in high school competitively. Mm-hmm. No big Ooh. deal. Um, La-dee-da. I know. We never won. But okay. it was really fun. And so when I realized that, I was just like, oh, my God. Okay, you can do whatever. So now I have, like, a long-distance relationship with a barmaid in Fandolin. Nice. We That's write beautiful. each other letter- letters. We're, like, we're not ready to settle down yet. That's lovely. But, you know, I update her 
on my travails. It's beautiful. <laughs> in, in there's there's a D&D podcast that I really want to talk like it's called Crit Juice. I haven't heard of I that. I love one. it so much. It's like it's a huge party. There's like six of them. Okay. And they're like all actors and their DM is really great. And what I love about it is they basically turned Dungeons and Dragons and there's this is not I think I'm going to say this and like three people are going to tweet at me like you should check out this then. I also know about like Drunks and Dragons and there's other versions like this but they basically made the game into a drinking game okay so like cool. there's yeah. stuff like if you roll a crit fail or a crit uh critical hit you have to like finish your drink and every time the dice falls off the table you roll for how many drinks you have to take and there's all these different things and like they also create there's a npc princess that like travels with them mm-hmm. that they like win princess points by like doing charming things and they lose <laughs> them by being a jerk and it's the dm the whole time Oh, man. And it's so, and it it makes it kind of like very early on forced them into like role playing. Yeah, and well, like you have they to. all role play so hard that it's just great to like. It's so much fun to listen to because, and I think that's it. I think that the reason D and D podcasts are seeing such a surge recently is that you can't you can't record a D and D podcast ironically. Oh no, you have to be totally sincere. You gotta do Why it. would you listen to that? And I've tried to play I've had people try to play it with me before where they were not committed no. and they were I have like no interest in yeah, irony. They weren't being general. ironic, but they were just like, I don't know, what do, what should I do? And it's like No. Hey man, what do you want to do? Please do that's in your the heart? whole game. You can't win it. <laughs> um and so like when you listen to people realize that the thing that they're doing is silly, but still do it 100%. Oh, it's so fun. It's the most fun. Yeah. Because you get to have fun with them. Yeah. Th- that's the thing, is I think that more than any other form of podcast, I think that, like, role play, it's, it, there's another, I'm just going to keep talking about podcasts all day. Go for that's it. It's what I think about most of the day. There's uh, one called uh, uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I've heard of that one, yeah. And it's, I have friends who are really into that one and Friends at the Table, which I haven't listened to I don't to know yet. Friends at the Table yet. I know Carrie, Carrie's time, into that one. Carrie's been doing fan art of that one, too. For a long time, I thought Hello from Magic Tavern was another Dungeons & Dragons podcast. It's not? It's not. Oh. Basically, what it is, is it's it this too. guy who fell through a hole, a rift in space, and he went from Chicago, Earth, and ended up in the magic world of Foon, and he's still Perfect. getting a little bit of Wi-Fi through the magic rift. <laughs> So he records a podcast in the Magical Tavern in the Land of Foon and sends it back to America every week. And he's got his friend Chunt and Usador the Wizard with him. And every week it's they interview some other person in oh, the world of Foon. And it's like they talk to like the king and the Do they bring in like different guests to and, do yeah, it? Yeah, and it's all improvers in the Chicago oh, area. Man, and the three so of them cool. are improvers. And the best thing about it is they take world building really, really seriously. Yeah. Okay. So That's like awesome. they over the course of the first 50 episodes, there's like a running story. Yeah. Now it's an undercurrent for the first like 20 episodes, but pretty soon it starts to build and build and build. And something they referenced in like the 10th episode, that character will be a guest on episode 40. Oh. So like that kind of thing happens throughout. And it is, it's one of those things, like I put it in the same categories like Night Vale and yeah. like uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour, where it's just like you start to build stories around these characters that someone el- uh, someone is like, creating from whole cloth but you start to think of them as real people because you hear their voice in your ears every week that was one of my favorite things when i got into night Vale. i think it's like how everything that it really did start as like here's a weird thing and then like very much has like a solid 
illogical logic to it. But, but a consistent, consistent logic. Consistent logic yes. to it. Which it is what it's I like, like any it so good much. sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. You can do whatever logic you want to, as long as it's consistent. Mm-hmm. That's it. You can time travel all you want to, but you can't say time travel works this way one time and not that way the yeah. next time. That's when people go, You know, oh, You know the me. interns are always going to die. Yeah. Like, you know, and you know you're going to come back set. from weather and everything's going to be fine. Everything's like, going to be fine. And, and I think I'm, I think... I'm such a fan of narrative podcasts. Yeah. Because I think more so than any other media form that exists right now, it's so about you, mm-hmm. the listener. Yeah. Like, and you feel very, it feels like you're on a phone call with them. It feels, because it's yeah. like you listen to it laying in bed, you listen to it while you're jogging, you li- put it on while you're taking a shower, and it's, or it's just in your ears, mm-hmm. bouncing around in your head. Um, and it feels very personal and private in a way that I don't think watching a TV show does no, or like it, reading a book does. because it's in your head and like no one else is experiencing it unless you listen to it with other people, which I don't think yeah. most people do. And I mean, like maybe, but you know, I always listen to them by myself yeah. when I'm working or traveling. And that was part of what my huge attachment to Night Vale when I first listened to it is that I was on a road trip um, with my ex-boyfriend and his new girlfriend, and she did not like me. And we I can't were... imagine why, Kate. <laughs> I can't imagine sounds, why. Sounds perfectly normal to me. <laughs> and we were traveling from Boston to Nova Scotia, which is like a 12-hour drive. Mm-hmm. And so after like two hours of horrible tense silence, we stopped at a McDonald's, and I downloaded like I was like, mm, I've heard of this podcast. I'll just get six episodes of it and just sat in the back of the car and we were driving at night and I was listening to it so you're like driving on this highway through forest forever just with this one thing playing and it was such a magical experience that I had this like really intense feeling about it right from the get-go and I think part of that too is because like I love radio plays and I grew up I grew up on the shadow me too my parents parents loved it so much and the ads for blue coal yeah my dad's a radio (laughs) guy from way back and there was a show called when radio was that used to oh, play cool. on, I want to say it was WTCR, the network, the, the station he was on, or it was one of the stations he was on that like after midnight, from like midnight to 6 a.m. or something, they just played this show called When Radio Was or was Sundays or something. Oh, that's awesome. And so I, I got to hear like Burns and Allen and like uh, Fibber McGee and The Shadow was my favorite. The Shadow's the best. But And there also was in Cincinnati this like, uh, from like midnight to 5 a.m. on an NPR station where they just played all these different ones, like noir, detective. Yeah, like, that's it the was best the white stuff. glove, clip, 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 and you hear like people walk across. Oh my God, thing. and all the Foley work that I they do on it, it is so, so much. Good. I've actually been trying to think, and I'll put this idea out in the world because I don't think I'm going to do anything with it, but I've been trying to develop in my head how you would make an ASMR radio play podcast work. Oh, yeah, because you'd have to have all the like little clicking sounds yes, and stuff like, like that. Yes, but you, you would be totally a character in it. So as you listen oh. to it, you'd hear the world around you in binaural sound. So you'd hear oh, people wow. talking behind you and like it would all be directional sound as you listen to it and people would talk to you oh, and ask you questions. So cool. Right, but it would take so much production writing that you can maybe put out one episode a month tops. Oh, yeah, if that. That would be crazy. Because I know, I mean, there's one or two episodes in Night Vale that are like the story about you. The story about you. Which I, I love. The one about uh the one about him finding the tapes and listening yes. to the tapes of Young Seesaw. Yes. That I was listening to in bed at like one o'clock in the morning one night. Mm-hmm. Just like in my house and like my wife was asleep and I was listening to it trying to fall asleep. And it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> it's pretty crazy that yeah. one. Cause that one really messes with like the timeline and stuff. And like, to hear the host like 
I don't. I what don't, is this? I don't remember uh, uh, recording it was this. Terrifying. I love that feeling. Like, and I, I, I feel like I. <laughs> the drugs. Um, that thing where you have that really intense association when you hear yeah. something because it feels real is yeah. one of my favorite things in the world. I just I, I find that more than any kind of like music or song because you you know you have you listen to songs and it like reminds you of a time in your life or whatever. But like when I listen to podcasts or if I go to the place where I was listening to a podcast, like I very specifically rem- remember mm-hmm. like, what I was listening to and what it was about. And like I remember being <laughs> waiting in line at a salad bar when I was listening to that episode. Yeah, and <laughs> it just like and stopping and like standing to the side because i was like oh i don't i don't want to miss i don't want to miss this yeah but it's really cool i love that feeling and and i do i do really like this sort of resurgence of narrative podcasts and like because it is radio plays it's modern radio plays and i think that's so neat and i think the best thing about it is it's it 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 fixes like my one what i think is both the simultaneously the best and worst thing about podcasts Mm -hmm. the best thing about podcasts is anyone can do it yeah. The worst thing about podcasts is everyone Anyone, does it. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing of and and I say that my pod, like my podcast empire began. <laughs> uh, it started with just like the three of us doing my brother, my brother, and me, my me and my brothers doing a show where I had like a ten dollar combination headset microphone from Walmart. Griffin used the microphone from the video game Rock Band, and I think Justin was the only one with any kind of recording setup at that point, and I think he had, like, a $20 mic and, like, Apple earbuds. And we recorded, and it sounded terrible, mm-hmm. and we had no idea what we were doing, and we, like, somehow people liked it, and it became popular, and we eventually did, like, still consistently are, like, trying to upgrade our equipment and still figure out what we're doing. Yeah. And like we got to start, and and we didn't need money, we didn't need equipment, we didn't need any of that. We just needed an audience and a good product, which is wonderful. It's great. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that the whole arena of podcasts is so flooded. I mean, you said it earlier. There's so many. How do you start listening? How do you find the good ones? Yeah. Right. And and it's really hard because there's no like advertising model. No, put it's in all place. recommendations. Yeah. Like everything I listen to is because people are like, Oh, you listen to that. You would like that. And that is even still so overwhelming. And and even then the problem is the more popular the podcast, the less likely someone's going to tell their friend to listen to it. Cause they assume everyone assume knows about comedy bang bang. Everyone knows yeah. about nerdist. Everyone knows about, you know, my brother, my brother and me. And it's like, Hey, they don't please, no. please tell a friend about it. Please. Cause please, I please. only came to that. Like this is one of the most recent right. ones I listened to, which is hilarious that I listened to like almost the entirety of the adventure zone to catch up before someone was like hey you know they do another podcast right and it's like 300 episodes in i was like oh oh, okay this would be where this came from if you like a thing tell your friends but the narrative podcast and the ones that require productions like uh, Mm -hmm. thrilling adventure is a great example where uh i don't think they're actively making new ones now i think that like whenever they have a special or they go doing other stuff yeah he's doing a max fun thing yeah i think that it's like now if they have like a you know conference or some kind of like a podcast festival or something they do new episodes but like the amount of production that went into it oh yeah and they were making they were making a podcast Mm -hmm. that's the thing it's like there are a lot of like really overproduced podcasts for okay (laughs) I'll say it like this, because this is a podcast I love so much. It's one of my favorite. Radio Lab. Love mm-hmm. it so, 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 so much. Not everyone can do Radio Lab. Yeah. Radio Lab should not be the metric that someone starts off and goes, I love podcasting. I'm gonna start my own I'm Radio Lab show. That. No. Cause they have like 
equipment and like a studio yeah, and like people and money and they do it. Mm-hmm. Now that said, I've heard independent people who do radio lab style interview. Like I said, it's great. But if someone held it up and said, this is the paragon. This is the epitome of podcast. It's like, it's not. That's a fringe. Like, that's a radio. That's like an NPR show. Yeah. And we have every resource is released. available Exactly. Them. Yeah. That's not, that's an outlier podcast. Yeah. Um, same with Serial. Everybody yeah. was like, Serial's like, this is the perfect podcast. And it's like, it's actually not. It's a great show. Yeah. And I loved Serial. But there's so many other things exactly. that people it, are doing. That is not the epitome. The epitome of podcast is a show that has like 10 downloads an episode that a guy <laughs> records in his basement with this like weird echoey effect that he can't quite figure out what it is. Yeah. And maybe it cuts off about three seconds too early. But there's like this one really good joke in the middle that this one person laughs at and tells their friend about like that's a podcast everything else is an outlier it was so crazy for us when we started doing this one because like it was a recording studio that came to me Mm -hmm. so like i walked in on my first podcast ever to like a soundproof booth in a studio that had mixers and they did all the music and everything and i remember being so funny because when we first released it like it was the first thing i had ever done and i'd always wanted to because i love doing voice things and and i i'm always wanting to like be on on other people's podcasts and stuff like that um especially i would love to do like dramatic stuff and narrative Mm -hmm. stuff and and that would be so interesting to me but um I remember when we first released it and people were just like, what? Like, how, where did you get this? You have yeah. music on your show and it sounds amazing. And it was just like, I don't, I don't know. I got asked. But, but that's the way cool. I think, man. We live in this dichotomy of the internet and it happens on YouTube too. I don't think it's specific to, uh, to podcasts, but you see it on YouTube too, where mm-hmm. it's like these people, like, for example, a uh, rocket jump, amazing videos, wonderful. And they found a platform to release their stuff that I don't think they could have done 30 years ago, 20 no. years ago. But And their stuff is incredible. I'm big fans of theirs. I should be clear. I'm friends with them too. So that's part of the reason I'm pimping it out. But like, oh, yes. there's that. And then there's a video of somebody like unboxing makeup that they bought at a store with their webcam. And it's yep. like, okay, great. Both of those exist and are popular on YouTube. Yeah. And it's two completely different things. The, the podcast of the guy like reviewing like doughboys is a great example doughboys where they like go to and review like fast food and like fast casual restaurants with comedians it's great and it's awesome that is a completely different show from cereal both of those things exist in podcasting you know what i mean and there's so many different nerdy ones that are you know and because i i mean i don't really listen to a lot of the critical ones because i feel like i see all of that online Mm -hmm. like anything i need to know any any issues things like that and i tend to listen to stuff that's more like escapist and fun and like goofy because i feel like i deal with so much serious and daunting things all the time but there's so much variety which is so awesome the perfect example is uh, one of my favorite podcasts and two of my favorite people in the world is The Worst Idea of All Time. Do you know this yes. one? Yes. Okay. Oh, man. I need to get into it because it's everyone tells me so about good. it. so good. So basically the concept for you listening at home who don't know. Because I know that the Night Vale guys are really, really into that Oh, show. everyone loves it. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of like every podcaster who's listened to it loves it. Loves it. And so basically the concept is it's a bad movie podcast in which these two guys from New Zealand, Tim and Guy, they watch and review a movie every week and it's the same movie every week for a year so the first year it's grown-ups two every week for every a year week. I the can't second imagine the second is uh <laughs> is sex in the city two which like that would be so painful it's like two hours and 40 minutes long yeah it's really long and now they're doing um we are your friends the zach efron movie that just Ooh, came out okay and so but, like, when they started, like, they had barely any, like, equipment to speak of. I think they were using, like, a Zoom and, like, 
two lav mics, maybe, or like one mic passed back and forth between them. Mm-hmm. And like, we love the show. The McElroy brothers and them do a show together where we watch and review Paul Blart Mall Cop two <laughs> once a year, every year on Thanksgiving. And you guys have done that twice? Once a Once, <laughs> really? Oh, uh, but the plan is to do it for the rest of linear time. Um, cool. But that was inspired by their show. Right. Um, and like they've had Paul F. Tompkins on their show. Yeah. Like Paul Shear likes their show. Yeah. Like uh, the, it, some very big name podcasters have endorsed their show. And like, their show i'm not just saying because like you might be listening at home and thinking there's comedies on tv and there's dramas on tv Mm -hmm. there's you know medical dramas and there's documentaries about legos on tv there's different material on tv but i i'm more talking about like an equipment finance it's like if you could turn on the tv and find a tv show that a guy shot in his house with his iphone yes and then you turn the channel and the next is planet earth and you're like and both of them were being rated and watched at the same level. Yeah. Like, if 100,000 people were tuning in to watch both of them. Well, I really love it. I do love that you can kind of do it. Because, I mean, Carrie does, Carrie Peach does a podcast now called Morph Club, mm-hmm. where um, her and uh, her friend, who is also a cartoonist, review the Animorphs books. Yes. And it is adorable uh-huh. and great. And just like, it's so cool that that can just exist. Just exist. You know, like, that's, that's so fun to me. And you can just do it for fun, too. That's the other thing. My favorite thing about podcasting is you're never going to get canceled. No, no one's ever going to be forever. like, only 20 people are listening to your show. It's canceled. <laughs> like, you can just keep making the show. If it's fun for you, yeah. forget about it. Who cares? Well, I remember hearing about the worst idea of all time because my friend Sam Maggs and I were talking about doing basically the exact same concept. And I didn't realize that it existed because we wanted to do one called Jupiter Unending where mm-hmm. we watched Jupiter Ascending uh-huh. every like week or every two weeks and talked about it because we are both obsessed with that terrible, yeah. beautiful monstrosity of a movie that is the most insane thing I think I've ever watched. And then someone was like, oh no, that exists. Yeah. Like, don't do that. <laughs> but we still want to do a thing about it and that like we can, yeah. you know, we can do it. Yeah, do whatever. <laughs> do it. Because I love, I just love that movie and how nuts it is one of my favorite weird con so they uh the flop house i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. did uh watch the movie called a talking cat oh yes which right? is like a netflix movie I'm, i have no idea but then there it. was a spin-off podcast that a fan of the show started called a talking cast where they watched <laughs> minute by minute a talking cat and reviewed it minute by minute <laughs> That's incredible. Right? And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, do it. No one's going to stop it. you doing that. Just do it. But There's it has so been much. hard for me as a professional podcaster to mm-hmm. walk up to people and say, when they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a podcaster. And, and they're like, they that's think, not a job. Yeah. And they're like, that's so is my job. nephew. What are you talking about? It's like, <laughs> yeah, but like, it's all I do full time. Well, yeah. Because you, I mean, how many shows are you doing now? Because it's. Seven, seven, I think. Seven? Yeah. Okay. Let me cool. count. Hold on. My brother, my brother, me, the Adventure Zone, yeah. Schmanners. Trends like these, Bunker Buddies, Intero Bang with Travis and Tybee. That's, you got six. Can I Pet Your Dog? <laughs> and Till Death Do Us Blart. Okay, amazing. So I guess eight. Because I remember trying but to But Till Death Do Us Blart is once a year, so Like I don't know. an intro, and then I was like, oh no, this is, this is, because most people who I, who I would have on are like, oh, a comics writer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's a specific job, but it isn't anything. Podcast. Um, Podcasts. And I would have more if my wife let me. She said I had to. I had to cabinet <laughs> had to at eight, again. and if I cancel some, I can start new ones because I already have ideas for new ones. That seems like pretty reasonable, honestly. I, yeah, yeah, you think so? I mean, I'm about to have a baby. Well, I'm not, but my wife's about to have a baby, 
And so I feel like maybe I'll either scale back then or I'll start a lot of new podcasts about having a baby. It's going to be yeah, one of those two that's things. That's probably going to happen. We'll see. We have one of our D&D uh, players. She's very pregnant. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one of those things where like we're all extremely excited because she's going to have a baby. But it's also like, oh, no. <laughs> what does this mean for D&D? <laughs> I, here's a suggestion. The best thing I ever did when I was in Cincinnati is I built a D&D guild of like oh. 12 people. Oh. Um, and then whoever could attend a night, like we would oh, level them fun. up to match and catch everyone up to the story. But that way we weren't dependent on like four or five people always being available. Yeah. Um, and because we like we all acted on different schedules, like yeah. it was never like everybody wants to play, what do we do? It yeah. like it worked out because we always could get at least four people together. Well, if friends of mine started another one also in Adventure Zone inspired. There's like a whole fleet. You guys have inspired a generation. Thank you. Um, and my friend started one, but it's always on Sundays. And I go to Comic Cons like at least once or twice a month. Yeah. So I'm not around Does on that Sundays. Comic Cons in the There's, world? Oh my god. Uh, there's so many there's so many i'm like lucky that i have three weeks until i go to the next one but that one's gonna be in scotland so that's gonna be pretty are you going cool. to san diego uh actually yes i'm gonna do that one i wasn't sure if i was gonna go but then i everyone keeps asking me i'm to be going on to panels. that it's my oh, first cool. time i've going. never been yeah. i've really? never been yes i've never been because uh, we'll be i only hang out i only just moved to california and yeah, um me too. last year anytime i came here it was to visit my boyfriend and mm-hmm. so i was like well i'm not gonna come there and then go to a con and not be able to hang out with I, him. I moved here a year and a half ago yeah and i was like Oh, this is how it went last year. Mm-hmm. Like three days before Comic Con, mm-hmm. I looked at my wife and was like, "Hey, do you want to go?" And she was like, <laughs> "Sure." And, and then I and, and it's like that's not no, how that you works, can't Travis. It's like you need to have travel back in time ten yep. years ago to mm-hmm. the first Comic Con, then you can maybe go to this one. Yes. And so, like, luckily this year, my friend Tybee has gone a bunch in the past, so she would like. Is already kind of like on the track to get them. Yeah. So she got that and like we paid for a gas pass and like she and I are going. Yeah, I have a, like six different publishers, not not to brag. Um, And they, I <laughs> know. That's I'm okay. Very, I have a different podcast. It's okay. <laughs> and every one of them was like, hey, do you want to be, can you be on our panel? Can you do this signing? Can you be on our panel? And I was just like, I don't have a pass. Yeah. Like I was moving from the East Coast of Canada to the West Coast of America while the passes were all available to be purchased mm-hmm. or signed up for or applied for or whatever the insane it's a crazy archaic. World process is. Don't even get me started on trying to find a hotel room. No, Ugh. no, no, no. So that's the thing now where it's like, a lot of people are like, oh, we think we can get you a badge, but you may have to sleep like in a restaurant or like in your car. Because yeah, like, what else are you going to do? What else? It's insane. Like the lottery that begins like a year in yeah. advance. And I've done New York Comic Con many, many times. Not a huge fan of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, fine. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. It's fine. It's just, I just don't like how they stick all the artists in like a back room yeah. that you have to walk 20 minutes to get to. So it doesn't feel like a Comic Con. Um, but I think I'm going to go to this one and I have no idea how or where we're going to sleep mm-hmm. or how we're going to get there. But apparently we might have badges. So it's going to be a time. Because <laughs> we, So I feel really good because I can get out of going to New York Comic Con this year because I'm going to a New York show in yeah. August, which I'm doing Flame Con, which is like a queer and gay specific Comic Con for two days. Awesome. I know. It's in Brooklyn. And they, they started it last year and it was only one day. And this year it's like a full weekend. And Excellent. I'm stoked because everyone cool is going. <laughs> All of my friends are going to be there. Um, but yeah, San Diego, I have no idea what to expect. Yeah. Like nothing. Me neither. No. I, from my understanding, it's intense. But the nice thing is like, so I'm going to E3 this year too in a couple okay. days, in, a couple, in about a week. And I went last year a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I was there for like three or four hours and yeah, I had to I've never leave. done that. And, um, and 
it seems like there's two universes to cons. And I haven't been to too many big ones, but I've been to enough big ones to confidently, hesitantly say this. And that is like, if you go and you want to do everything, it seems like it's intense and overwhelming. It's way exhausting. But if you're cool with just kind of like looking at everything oh, and yeah, being in the fridge, that, and that's then what I fun. am. Yeah. Like, I don't need to wait. And like, for example, going to E3 this year, I don't need to wait in line Mm-mm. for like four hours to try the new Halo game. I'm perfectly fine <laughs> looking at the huge Halo display and be like, cool, cool. Yes, and then great. going and getting a hot dog. Like, that's fine to That me. is the best way to approach a convention. Yeah. Because it is so, like, I did Emerald City Comic Con last year, which is my favorite of the big shows because it's really cool and it is our focused and they were really really good to the creators um and they were also the show that started like the cosplay is not consent thing which is really really awesome um but they they um oh my god i'm gonna lose my my train of thought here uh that show's so big but it's like it's reasonable yeah like you can do it oh so what i was gonna say is i did it last year and i kept saying yes to all the emails that were like will you be on our panel and i was like oh yeah sure oh yeah sure whatever and then i got there and realized i was on six panels which is too many yeah it's too many i was at my table for maybe like an hour like at a time and then I'd have to leave and then and people were getting so mad at me because they would have traveled all the way to Seattle to be like hey can I buy your comics hey will you sign my book and I'm never there yeah because I'm always at these panels so now I'm turning everybody down mm-hmm. and it makes the experience so much better I imagine it's like limit it to one or two yeah like really pick the good ones and then just say I no feel like to that's a good else. lesson in life yes okay yes. Well, that I'm trying to <laughs> learn as well is mm-hmm. that I used to have really bad fear of like missing out where like I had such a hard time committing to like one year for New Year's party. I made my wife go to four different New Year's parties. That is horrible. I know. That is unkind. Where we like started at one at like 630 and then we left there at like 730. And And so like we didn't get to our final party till like 1045 p.m. Mm -hmm. And it's like at that point we weren't drunk because we were driving around. But everybody else when we got there was drunk. drunk. And it was like, oh, this is terrible. And that was kind of a kick in the pants of like, hey, just pick one thing and have lots of fun there. Yes. Instead of being afraid that everywhere else is having more fun than you're having there. So, like, for example, going to E3 this year, my goal is to just walk around and just soak it in. And if someone, like, says, hey, do you want to check this out? Say, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't know, man. There's something about going to something like that where there's so much to see to, like, wait in line 10 hours to check out Halo. Where it's like, I can't do it. is, Is 10 other things not worth one Halo? The thing I got really into doing in the last couple of conventions was like, okay, so people always want to do, and I don't know if this is the same in like the podcast world, but in comics, everyone always wants to do these dinners Mm -hmm. and they're like 12 people and they go to a restaurant and it's like, they organize it forever. It's, they're the worst because dinner with like 12 or 13 people who are all from different places and all have different schedules. It takes like five hours to eat. Yeah. It's just like. You it just seems like logistically. Logistically, it's issue. a nightmare, and people always want to do them. Publishers always want to do them. Someone's always organizing them, and I, as soon as I started saying no to them and being like, "Oh, I can just like go to the place down the street with like two or three of my friends," yeah, it became so much better. That doesn't really exist in the podcast world because okay. there's really not much of a podcast. world. Yeah, I guess there's not like a con thing. Well, there are more and more. There so are, like yeah. we just did like the LA Podcast Festival last year, and there's yeah. one in Pittsburgh, oh, wow. and they just had one down in Texas. That was a pretty big one. But the thing is, once again, there there's such a huge gene pool. Yeah, that like it's all over the place. You Comics is easy- a little more homogenous. I yeah, think. you can easily get six shows at your podcast festival without trying without like 
asking anyone. So <laughs> They'll like, just show up. So like Podcast Festival <laughs> was happening and I reached out to them and I was like, hey, I'm in LA and this seems fun. Do you need another show? And they were like, yeah, we're huge fans of yours. You're That would be great. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm glad I asked. <laughs> and so like, that's the thing. It's like, and it's also just like, so for example, like I, in the podcast, I, I have like, met and talked to Chris Hardwick, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. but that, not, not to name drop, <laughs> but that was like completely by accident and yeah. not like, because I'm pie. It's just because like, I know people who know people who know people and know people, that kind of thing. And it's like, I don't know Scott Ackerman. Scott Ackerman probably doesn't know who I am. Like he might, you, maybe you're on but, every but like, podcast. But that's so. the thing though. It's like, <laughs> so is everybody else. Kate? Yeah. It's very, there is definitely a thing like every comedian and everyone is just sort of like floating yeah. in between each other's shows. It was actually the big, the big purpose of moving here. And I've seen a huge, so I moved here a year, about a year and a half ago, like August or October, 2014, I want to okay. say. Cool. And it was specifically because I knew that, like, the only people who guested on other people's shows or made connections with people were here. Mm-hmm. Even though podcasts are recorded all over the world from right. anywhere, like, 90% of them are, like, recorded here in L.A. And the only way to, like, guest on a show is to meet somebody because you did a UCB class with them 15 years ago or something. So, like, I showed up and just in the last year and a half of being here, I've met more people that do the thing I do or want to do the thing I do than I met in the entire like first four years of doing my brother, my brother and me. Oh, I can completely understand yeah. because we recorded from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yeah. And so there was never, you couldn't have anyone in the studio. We couldn't do this. We yeah. couldn't be in the same place. And it's so strange to be here now because like, it's not just comics people and there are so many comics people in Los Angeles. So that's really cool. But it's also that just like, there's everyone yeah. here and we can diversify it, and which is really, cool you don't have to like email them randomly i'm like i don't know you but we like i run into like john ross bowie at a party and i'm like do hey, you and i hey. tell him about the podcast and he's like that sounds great can i be on your podcast and you're like yes you can john ross bowie thank oh, you so much it's so much easier when you meet people in real life because doing that i mean like okay so i'm friends with a lot of people in comics and it, so it wasn't too hard but i sort of hit a point where i was like okay i feel like i've interviewed like all of my close friends yeah. and everyone else is sort of a little more distant. Like, I don't know how they're going to react. Are they going to want to do this? And actually, yeah, running into them and seeing them and I, being like, hey, you're so much more likely to get a, a positive response. And there was one weird, no, I'm going to name drop a lot. Fine. Somebody put down a net. I'm dropping a lot of names. <laughs> and I went to San Francisco Sketch Fest, uh, not this past year, but the year before. And I knew and was friends with Ben Acker, who was one of the writers of yeah, Thrilling Adventure Art. And he was like, hey, we're doing this after party after our Thrilling Adventure performance. You want to go? And I was like, yes, very much I do. <laughs> and um, went to this party and like at the party was like Paget Brewster and Hal Lublin and all the, all the guys. Yeah. And also like Stephen Weber was there. And like Adam Savage from Mythbusters was what? there, and John Hodgson was there, who I know from like Max Fun and I all have that a stuff. Weirdly intense high school crush on Adam Savage. He's he's a really <laughs> super nice, really he great seems like host a really guy. Cool guy. And so like, here's all these people that like one I never w- like all in one room mm-hmm. wouldn't have met all of them separately if I was just like in Cincinnati doing podcasting. Right. But also, it's, it's, I've been talking about this a lot recently, and I don't know why it keeps coming up, except that it's just in my head and I find excuses to talk about it. But 
I've thought a lot recently about how to transition from being a fan of somebody's to, to like a friend, a friend of somebody. Oh, it's the hardest. And I feel like there's this mindset and mechanic that I wish that I have always been preternaturally good at. Yeah. That I wish I could explain or take credit for, <laughs> but I have no idea how, but like growing up, if my brothers and I saw someone like, you know, we one day in New York, like saw Dave Chappelle on the street. Like I was the one that was like, go say something. And I yeah, would like, like walk up and say something. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it was me, but it was. And there's just this mindset of like something clicks. And I think it might be because I have a very high opinion of myself <laughs> that like I don't that sit helps. there and go, they don't want to talk to me. They, they're, they I don't want to bother them. They're better than me. They're mm-hmm. inherently better than me. I sit there and go like, this is a person. Yeah. This is a person who woke up this morning and like had breakfast. They went to bathroom at some point in the day. They're going to eat dinner. They're going to go sleep and they're going to wake up up tomorrow same as I did it's so weird because like I was literally talking about that about two days ago about how that changed so much for me and there's really I mean I agree with you there's there's not really a way to talk about it without sounding egotistical right there isn't but when you get to a point where you have fans like and I and it it developed because I went from being a comics fan like I was nobody I worked in a store I was just looked up to everybody and then you know getting into the industry and getting more prolific work and getting to the point where like these people became my peers or even if they were at a higher level than me like saw me as someone worth like oh she's she's a person now (laughs) you know like she's someone whose name is on things and then being able to talk to them and it was so so scary at first Mm -hmm. like it definitely took me a little while but I also come from retail so i yeah. can i can kind of talk to anybody I know, right? if i need to i'm know? a pretty good salesman and i always yeah. have it. like lynn manuel miranda is a fan of my brother my brother me and a no. lot of our shows and we've hung out with him a lot and, and i'm such a fan of him and here's the thing it's like on one level i feel like it's a name dropper but on the other level like he's just a friend of mine that like i hang out with on a fairly regular basis mm-hmm. like we got to see him when we were in new york and then someone will be like, how crazy is that? What's that like? No, how do you not lose his like mind? It's like, buddies. Yeah, he's my friend. He's just a dude <laughs> Which who have, like, yeah. likes a thing. Like, he likes a thing that I make. I like a thing that he makes. We yeah. hung out and, like, he and my family have so much in common that, like, we just clicked as friends right away. And so, like, we go, like, if he's in L.A., we go out to dinner. If I, If we're in New York, we, like, go out to brunch with him. And it's just, like... It's not like hanging out with this superstar Broadway yeah. guy. It's hanging out with my friend Lynn. And there's something about that mentality that I, I, there are so many wonderful people in the world that I don't want to miss out on getting to know yeah. because they're too nervous to be normal around me. It's and so, once again, I don't so want, weird, I want yeah. to be humble about it. But the yes. fact of the matter is, I have numerous times since I started doing the show that people will either come up to me crying and shaking and hugging me where yeah. I want to be like, hey, it's cool. I pooped like four hours <laughs> I'm ago. Just, I'm just, I'm just a like guy. a human being I'm in the world. Guy. That happens to me all the time. Like I, you know, I write a lot of comics about and, and when I started, I wrote a lot of comics about like sexuality and mental health and like really personal and open stuff. So I have a lot of people who come to me like very vulnerable and emotional and like you know what I've done has this huge weight for them and that like they're that's so precious and I'm so appreciative of it but they are so scared mm-hmm. they're so scared and I just want to be like 
like I I fart when I sleep like yeah, the rest man, of us. It's you know? fine, dude. <laughs> like like I I've, just... <laughs> I've had people tweeting me like, "Hey, I I either after a show or just like on the street. Like I, I saw, saw you, you and but I didn't, didn't want to bother hi. you. And it's just like, <laughs> yes. why do you think I make a thing? I make a thing that <laughs> I publish the for the universe. And like, it's you don't so think much, I want oh. people to tell me I did a good job? It's so much weirder when you get those because yeah. it's like, oh, so you were watching me and you knew who I was, and like you're bold enough to like tweet me and include my handle so that I see it so yeah. like I, I saw Kate left eating at Disneyland it's like that's creepy but like walking yeah. up to me and being like hey I really like what you do that's cool and you know and, like, and so I nice. say that I don't want to be a hypocrite because I there are definitely <laughs> there are definitely people in the world like Mel Brooks I'm the biggest Mel Brooks fan yeah he's my favorite living human being I think naturally maybe. That crea- favorite living being Korea. my wife is my favorite living human being <laughs> but he's like my favorite living creator human being yes and well, like well deserved <laughs> and if he if I saw him like out at a restaurant yeah I don't know you could pay me enough to walk over to him there are a couple of people in the world like that and I remember for the longest time my thing was Neil Gaiman because like his books meant so much to me when mm-hmm. I was in like early college yeah. and and like I was just obsessed and then one day, like a, a mutual friend, like showed him my comics, and then he started following me on Twitter and Tumblr, and like messages me every once in a while, and and I'm just, I still am like, that's messed up. That's yeah. messed up. Like I have enough of a thing that if I saw him in public, I could go up to him and be like, oh, we know each other yeah. because we've interacted on multiple occasions. That's kind of like, when I when I met Paul F. Tompkins, I felt that yeah. way. Where he was like, and he, I was producing someone else's show, mm-hmm. and he was like. Are you one of the McRoy brothers? And I was like, Hey, I am. Oh, hey, I'm like, he recognized me without me saying that's I wasn't going to bother thing. him. Yeah, that's man. the greatest thing. But that's the thing is like, I have I've met people through the podcast that started off as like listeners and fans who like for example Drew Davenport's a great oh example God. Drew Davenport yeah he's a big uh, he liked one of my tweets last uh, week and I got what? really excited he's a big contributor to <laughs> to uh, my brother my brother me and to Adventure Zone and he's been a fan and supporter for a long time and every time I run into that fool here in L A he's just like hey how's it going man how's Teresa everything going great i'm like yeah it's going fine he's like just heard you guys were pregnant congratulations and he talks to me like we've met each other a dozen times which we have yeah um and occasionally i'll be like oh listen to the latest episode it was great you know what i mean but like he that kind of thing is like i wish that he could teach a master class on like rachel rosen too on how to be cool like the two of them yeah i want them to teach a master class on like liking contributing and interacting with the people because they're they're just the most chill with that it's not like i don't want to be friends with those people i have so many friends who like were fans of stuff i did and then like became friends and people in my life and but there's so many people who are just so like cannot be like cool about it or or have a really hard time or super 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 nervous and the thing is is i love those people yes when someone comes up to me and they're like shaking and crying or they say i i it makes me feel so special Mm -hmm. but in a way that like i feel special and simultaneously like i just want to like hold their hand and walk yeah that happened to me to jump back to the thing i was so nervous at this after party thing i was at and at one point Paget brewster who is an angel of a human being just like Mm -hmm. grabbed my hand and pulled me around the party and introduced me to everybody and held my hand the whole way around the party and i was like 
I was ready to cry the yeah. whole way because like it's incredible. She was just being so sweet and so nice, and everybody was so nice, and like that was the night I became friends with the nicest human being in the world, Hal Lublin. Oh, and he's so, so amazing. He's the nicest I human love being him in the world. So much. And it's like that, and Hodgman, who knew me before that, was walking around yeah. the party saying like, "This is Travis McElroy. He has <laughs> the most popular show on my network," and he was just like the nicest guy, and like that That's kind of thing best. where it's like if you give. But the tricky thing, the other side of that is like, it's all an expectations game. Mm-hmm. Because I've also had the other way happen where people come up and they feel like they know me so well because they've heard all these things yeah. I've done that they've walked up expecting us to immediately be best friends, mm-hmm. which is a completely different interaction that I'm also not super crazy about, but simultaneously yeah. totally understand. Yeah, I've definitely had in, had situations where because of like the really personal nature of the stuff that I've talked about, like you know, my teenage history with like self-injury and mm-hmm. people will come up to me at shows and start talking about that. And like five minutes ago, I was like drawing an Adventure Time thing for a kid and like, you know, talk, talking about cartoons. And then it's like, oh, oh no, no, this is, I'm not ready. This is not the space we for this. We need a little like, bit of rolling <laughs> to little, this, please. Yeah. And like, it's cool. And I, I feel so honored that people like trust me with that kind of thing. But it is, but it's, it's scary it's to jarring. have that much, tr- much yes. trust. And you don't want to let somebody quickly. down. And I've really like taken into especially I have I have a very <laughs> I have a very strong demographic of like alt girls age like 16 to mm-hmm. 30 who I mean I can see them a mile away because they kind of look like me <laughs> and they yeah. have undercuts and bright lipstick and like sundresses with eyeballs all over them and they get really shaky when they come to my table and yep. I've taken to just getting up and like hugging them I'm oh, like let's I, just I get too. this out I of the way let's just do it I'm just like hey I'm glad you're here yes. like, especially at live shows that's like my mm-hmm. go-to response because I mean it every time yes. I would not have a thing without them yeah like the people who are like thank you for coming to New York I'm like thank you for coming to the show because if I was performing to an empty house I sure mm-hmm. as shit wouldn't be coming to New York Exactly. And and uh, it's honestly one of the hardest things I've had to deal with. And I think that anybody who's had an unconventional job turn yeah. into a job, like podcasting or YouTubing or like art, any form of art where you're like, it's I used so to weird. just do this in a notebook and now people are paying attention to I it. I know. I know. I work for Marvel and people come to my table and are like so excited. And I'm just and like, at oh, some okay. point you have to uh, <laughs> you have to accept the fact and and while still remaining humble, but accept yes. the fact that like you're a celebrity. And like it feels, I just it's felt so douchey weird. saying yeah, that out loud it's about like, myself. There's like a, a chill that comes with it. I was douche chills. Um, I was talking. <laughs> I was doing like a Periscope one day because I was like bored, and I think I was waiting for Teresa to get off work. Yeah. And somebody asked, like, "What's it like being a celebrity?" And I was like, "I'm not." A celebrity. Yeah. No, I would say and, no to that and every they time. Put me on the spot. Put me on blast a little bit, and they were right. And all, all they said it was simple, but from me, it put me on blast. Is they just said to me, "You are." And like that was like, oh yeah. Like I can't sit here and say, I'm just folks, I'm just a dude. Just a as these people at home are sitting there going, I wish I was doing what he was doing. Yeah. And if I'm too humble about it, it seems infuriated. And I get I that, really, man. Yeah. Like there are comedians that I love that like, let me think. Who's somebody that I love very, very much that I would get um who's somebody I just saw? I just saw movie I see movies. You uh see like movies? Paul Rudd. Yeah. Paul Rudd's a great example where, you know, that fool is now in, like, Marvel movies and, mm-hmm. like, summer blockbusters. Mm-hmm. And if he was just like, I'm not a celebrity. I'm just a guy. I'd be like, you you are. Like, <laughs> you are a celebrity. I want to do what you're doing. Yes. Please don't tell me you're not a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it was that kind of realization of, like, to me, day to day, take the dog on a walk, yeah. got some granola for breakfast, maybe watch way more Futurama and Bob's Burgers than I should on a mm-hmm. day-to-day basis in <laughs> order to be productive. Yep. But to the person at home... 
who waits for my show to come out every week. Yeah. And sees me like doing sold out tours and getting TV shows signed. It's such itself. a hard line to walk. Yeah. And like I was at this camp last week and it was, you know, it's it's a camp, which is this camp for like queer and non-binary people and like it's it's amazing it's run by this really cool website and it's in the woods and you just hang out and do workshops and be gay for a week just be gay for a <laughs> just week just be gay for a week in the woods and it was so fun and like so I was in a cabin and the artist on Hellcat Brittany Williams who's like my best friend she and I were both there and we weren't like separate from everybody like we were in a cabin with like 19 other people sharing a bathroom it was horrifying but awesome and the whole week I just kept having these weird interactions with people because, like, I never assume anyone knows what I do Mm -hmm. or cares about what I do outside of, like, my circle of friends. And my circle of friends are not fans, you know? They're the people, like, my friends buy my work or read my work. We read each other's stuff, but it's different. And so we went this whole week and, like, no one ever talked to me about comics or mentioned my comics. And I was like, okay, nobody here really knows what I do. That's cool. I can just be myself. And then, like, the last day, everyone in my cabin was like, oh, I brought these comics. Can you sign them? (laughs) And it was, like, so sweet. But the whole week, no one had wanted to, like, be weird or make it a weird experience or make me feel like I was... That happens too. We have a thing with Max Fun that we do every year now. The con? Yeah, Max yeah. Fun Con, where basically, awesome. well, people hear con and I think they think like a Comic Con, but, but it's, it's not. It's, it's like, like a, we rent out all of this like resort. Yeah. And then there's like a thousand people there that are all fans and listeners and the creators and mm-hmm. the uh, performers. We all eat together. We all do all the events together. Everybody hangs out together. Yeah. Um, And it's not like I've got a table where you come and I sign your iPod or whatever. Yeah. Like it's very you sit like. sit away from you. Like, there's a curtain. Yeah. I'll be out <laughs> between the hours and like, no. <laughs> we're all just like in the mix mm-hmm. and there's there's like first night there's always some like and that happened like good can mm-hmm. i tell you i'd be very sad if i went to a thing where i knew people knew who i was and like nobody talked to you no about one it. said anything well, I, like I would be that. like but this is okay this time's fine but then it yeah. immediately like shakes out by like saturday we're all like doing the pub trivia together and yeah. we're all like going to the comedy show together and i'm geeking out over like you know that super egos there while yeah. they're geeking out that i'm there but everybody recognizes like yeah but we're all just here yeah. i'm not going anywhere um that's and so, so awesome. that's that's a very lovely like per like if i could like slice that away and <laughs> be like this is the best way to interact with someone to be some weird mixture of both like respectful, but like open and approachable, but not like stalking. Yeah. Like it's, it's tough. It's tough because you get excited. Of course. And like that at that, especially if you've got like one or two drinks in you mm-hmm. and suddenly like it all, I, I get that. I've been there. I've walked away from scenarios where it's like, what did I say? Oh God. Oh no. I made <laughs> a joke. Wor- it's not I've a joke. That was myself. bad. No, I no, can no, never no. go back. Yeah. This is the end of my life. I, I think the thing that occurred to me and it really was like two or three years ago, the realization that like everyone is an awkward fan of somebody. Something. Like everyone. Like there's no one who is at a level where they wouldn't there's not someone they would geek out about meeting. Yeah, right? And when you realize that, and you realize that everyone has that experience, it makes it so much less intimidating. Yeah. Because they're just, like, they're just people. They're just and, people. And you know, the other side of that, too, that I also find very comforting along with that is, like, there are people in this life that I think are the biggest superstars, and I'll say to someone, like, they were at this party, and I was too afraid to talk to them, and they'll go, I don't know who that is. That happens to me all of the time. Well, especially in the world of comics, when I'm talking to people who aren't really in it, and I'm like, oh my god, I was near this person who did this one variant cover like seven years ago and they're just like okay i don't, I don't okay. know who that is all right and you're like something perspective of like oh 
Okay, yeah. yeah I, I mean, they're very important to me. I probably could have talked to I them. I probably could have just talked to them because <laughs> I probably think that people want to talk to them all the time and they're probably just sitting there hoping someone walks up to them and goes, I think you're great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the weirdest thing. Like, that was the funny thing about the first several days at camp because, like, they promoted us as being these sort of comic guests and then, like, nobody was talking to us about it. And yeah. I was just like, oh, does nobody, does nobody care? Nobody care. And then we finally, on the last day, yeah, did this, like, comics panel and, like, a ton of people showed up and I was like, oh, you've been here the whole time. <laughs> Wait, ah, yo. <laughs> you, you guys, you, you got guys. Me. It was really cute. Um, all right, so as we come to the denouement of this episode, yes. I generally like to ask people um, for comics recommendations, and it doesn't have to be stuff that's coming out right now because I know a lot of people are either not uh, weekly readers or whatever, or just things that you really love and think people might not have read as much. Huh, that's interesting because I, I I am a very basic mm-hmm. comic book reader. But everybody, I feel like everyone's got their favorites, and even if they think they're like boring, I don't know. I find it really interesting what people. Uh, can go I talk back to you to. about Booster Gold for a minute? Yeah, go this for it. This is not going to be. I'm not breaking any new ground when I talk about Booster Gold. But I am a narcissist, <laughs> and I feel like Booster Gold is my superhero. Okay, because the way that he interacts with the world is how exact I okay this is the fun thing I or let me tell you how fun this thing is I'm about to say (laughs) please I I often think of the world and myself in two ways Mm -hmm. I very much want to be Superman and I know that I'm booster gold (laughs) both of those are heroes both of those are good guys with very very different motivations but I think they both save the day in very different ways. And I want the world to see me as Superman, but I know that I am myself Booster Gold. And like, I know that Booster Gold has become kind of like the knee jerk, like hipstery, like comic book because it's not super, it's very third string, maybe even fourth string DC. It's got a real, real solid fan base. Though. I love <laughs> because the concept is so great. I think as, as, as superheroes go, very flawed, still good. Mm-hmm. Not like your Lobo kind of guy where he's like, he's the bad boy, he's the anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Like Booster Girl wants to be a good guy for just so, not even wrong reasons, but just not purely good reasons, which I think is way more interesting. If he were in the Marvel Universe, he would be one of their biggest, like they would be able to write him in such he a way that I think. of the galaxy. Exactly. Yeah. He needs, he's not. Marvel loves that. They need, like Marvel's, <laughs> I, I've always said one of the things that my dad, and I'm going to misquote my dad so bad here, Perfect. but one of the things my dad kind of taught me about when I was like, what's the difference between Marvel and DC? Where he was like, DC has very great one-offs, really fun stories to read. Mm-hmm. And Marvel has character development. And this was like back in the 90s. But he was yeah. like, has character development and huge arcs. And you can go a whole issue without a single fight happening. That is and very I was true. Like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Great, great, great. As a person who writes a Marvel book that is all about like friendship and feelings. Yeah. And people seem totally down with that. Yep. Like that was the thing I always loved. And and it's not true across the board, obviously, but I find that the difference to me that seems the most intense right now, and this is across the movies and the comic universes, is that DC takes itself seriously, yeah, and Marvel doesn't. No, not really. I Which mean, is they funny do sometimes. Because I think I think that if you reverse that, I would yeah. be like. That is the right way to think. I think Marvel does very serious stuff, but their yeah. jokes are so like they're so funny. They like, they're, they're not afraid. They're much to better be joking funny. on their own. Yes. like like they make. Deadpool is a great example of like say what you will about mm-hmm. Deadpool or his fan base or whatever, but they the jokes that they make are legitimately funny because they're making yeah. jokes at the expense of superheroes and superhero mm-hmm. tropes where you're just like, 
Okay, you get it. Cool. And like you in Civil War, like that's, you know, there's the fights are all really intense and big and grandiose and there's some serious stuff in there. But that whole sort of major fight scene in that movie is just full of really solid jokes. Yeah. And like, you because know, it's a Batman versus picture, Superman is not going to do that. No, it's because what it's what you picture of like a bunch of people who work together and actually know each other really yes. well fighting being like, OK, <laughs> I guess like, we're fighting now. Every Arr. interaction with Spider-Man in that movie was like so and perfect. And Ant-Man. I yeah. think that's what made Everyone me think just of Paul being Rudd. Like, because his here? interaction with Captain America, where I was just like, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. But other people interacting with Ant-Man would be like, oh, my God, Ant-Man. Yeah. Um, I, uh, let's see. Another one I recommend. There was a Green Lantern Rebirth series that I really, really liked when uh, Kyle Rayner, uh, where it was like when they brought Hal Jordan back. Mm-hmm. And there's specifically for one, I think it was over four pages. I don't think it was four panels. I think it was four pages. Where they page by page showed the difference between... And the art was my favorite part of it because it was the difference between Guy Gardner's Green Lantern, uh, John Stewart's Green Lantern, mm-hmm. Kyle Rayner's Green Lantern, and Hal Jordan's Green Lantern, mm-hmm. and like the the difference than like Kyle Rayner, like where Guy Gardner's was very like warrior and it was very like huge axes and hammers and stuff, and then John Stewart's they talk about because he was like an architect that you could see like every bolt. And with Kyle Rayner, like, it was very fun, but still to the point. And with Hal Jordan, it was just so solid and very present. And what I loved about it is it was simultaneously a really great breakdown of the differences between the four Green Lanterns. But also, I felt a commentary on the art styles that they were written in. Because I feel like that, when you have a character who solely just creates stuff from his mind, that's just giving an artist stuff to play with. And it's like, I don't know, he makes a train. Go to town. (laughs) And so this was very much like, when you read these comics, pay attention to how their powers are demonstrated because that's someone telling you what they think the power is. And that that was was really cool to me. That's always been one of the most interesting things about that sort of world of lanterns is how everyone approaches it so differently. Yeah. Whether what they make is like very sort of cerebral or very like really tactile and like it's straightforward. And I find that that really neat. It's a neat extension of personality. I think think Green Lantern is top three favorites for me. Well, I guess that very basic because the very reasoning of any, like it's not how would I be Superman? Yeah. Like Superman is Superman. If you want to be Superman, you'd be, Clark Kent, but you could become your own Green Lantern. Yes. And you, and you... Yeah, you would do it however... Exactly. ...you are as a person. It reflects your personality, and that's really interesting. Yeah, so I've always thought, like, what would my Green Lantern be like? Not like, how would I be if I were Hal Jordan? Mm-hmm. It's like, as Green Lantern, yeah, if you what would I be abilities. like? And I love that. I love that it's, like, it's so flexible and different for every single person. And, like, that's as far... Like, I grew up with my dad. My dad's going to kill me because he's sitting here going, you named Guy Gardner and Green Lantern and and Bruce Gold, and you didn't (laughs) talk about, like, all these obscure comics that I read. But, like, for me, I like, like, the bound editions of comics. Yeah, the big collection. Because, like, I like... You want to get the whole story? I like the whole story. So, like, I've read Sandman, and I've... Mm -hmm. uh, And, like, a little bit more obscure... Oh, a really great one is they did a version of Starman... That was his oh, yeah, son, yeah, yeah. Jack. Oh, now I yeah. care. Jack Knight was that his name? Starman. But anyways, it's his son, and it's like when they did like the new Fifty Two, and they were doing like the new JLA. Mm-hmm. And first of all, the new JLA was so fun because they were really trying to make like very deep stories yeah. for very silly characters. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the new Starman was 
I liked him a lot. And I think I think that they did away with him eventually. But I liked his whole style and he was a very like non superhero superhero that I thought was really, really fun. Those are my favorite. I love those. That's so awesome. All right. All right, that's some stuff to work with. See, everybody gets something. Um all right, so I know you do everything, but if people want to find you on the internet the easiest way. Where do they start? Go to McElroyShows.com, M-C-E-L-R-O-Y Shows.com. Oh, wow. Was that made by Squarespace? It was made on Squarespace. <laughs> Squarespace is an amazing platform. Um, it is, and I mean that sincerely, but also, they're big supporters of my brother, my brother and me. Um, and you can find links to all of my shows, all the sh- all the shows that we do on Max Fun, all the shows that we do other places, all of Justin and Griffin's shows, including like their YouTube stuff, like Monster Factory and all that stuff. Um, and the Twitter's on there too, but you can find me at Travis McRoy on Twitter. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah. And you have a show, I guess, is there even any point promoting shows because they're sold out? Are they? Uh, yeah, the no, the Boston shows are sold, sold out. out. Uh, right. <laughs> I will say that we just announced that we're doing a TV show with CISO oh, TV. Yeah. I'm stoked about that. That's um, so awesome. Yeah, I'm very stoked too. We're going to, it's going to be, be filmed. A lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, they've got a really good, Cameron Esposito's uh, doing something. Yeah, like they've got too. a really good eye for like, good stuff yeah. like that's the thing is before we even had a show I was checking it out and yeah, it the, really everything cool. they have on it is stuff that I love mm-hmm. like they have Mighty Boosh on there oh and my I'm god like, do they yeah, oh I love that I know. so much it's like one of my favorite shows and I was like Fine, yeah, my okay I can't remember this is gonna like I'm gonna just interrupt you for half a second but was it you because I was listening to an old episode like two weeks ago talking about Garth Marenghi's Dark Place oh yeah okay just just to be like they, that, that is was one on of there too. my favorite that's on their CISO as well ever <laughs> um, and like all old Monty Python and they also have like uh, Parks and Rec, like every oh, episode of Parks and Rec cool. and Saturday Night Live, and like it's amazing. Plus all this new stuff that they're doing. Cameron and Rhea are doing something. Yeah, and my amazing. brother, my brother and me, and like Jonah Ray has a thing on there. So it's really it's an amazing thing. You can go check it out, CISO TV. Yeah. Um, and so we're very excited about that. When's that gonna start? Um, sometime know? in the next year. We don't okay, have the cool. shooting schedule, but we are filming it in our hometown of Huntington, West Virginia. So I'm <laughs> very excited awesome. about that. Um, so check that out and apparently check out my dad's new uh, YouTube comic review thing. Yeah, I'll post it in the sure. links that go with it. That's I, I know that I saw pictures of it because my friend Matt No, I believe you. It, it sounds like something you would do. He just talks about comics. Yeah, it's I believe very it. earnestly and sweetly. He's got right. a huge like he's got a storage space just full I of comics. I can't even imagine. That's that so cool. That fool loves comics. He's the best. All right. So yeah, find Travis everywhere. Listen to my brother, my brother and me and the adventure zone, especially. And if you hey, if you're going to the Boston shows, I'm gonna be there too. So it's gonna be sweet fun party time. We'll see you there. Okay, bye. I know that you want to the pages inside my heart. Well, that's our show. If you feel like it, why not rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher? We've been upgrading and fancifying our studio, um, by which I mean my bedroom, but whatever. And we have plans on plans for future episodes. We have a real mic now. It's so exciting. <laughs> If you've got questions or want more, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at LTLcast, and you can get show notes after the fact at lessthanlifecast.tumblr.com, which, yes, I am actually updating now. Are you wearing sunscreen? Are you friggin' sunscreen? I'll miss you. Amnesia Forgetful Face. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production.
Hi, me. You sound great. 